Hi, everyone. This is episode 10 of Awoke Bloke with myself, Michael Ray, and my co-host, Reham, from all the way from UK, and I'm down in sunny Australia. I hope our listeners in the UK are coping with the madness. It's um, really, really hard to, to sit back and watch. We went through it here in Australia and have come out the other side, and it is a battle. And I hope you're all being kind with yourselves, but it's a temporary battle. So please stay safe and, and keep your eye on the future and amongst the madness, be kind to yourself. And wear your masks because safety comes first. And just a quick shout out to all those in the States that struggled over this past uh, week with what's going on right before the inauguration. Stay safe. And have a positive outlook on all of this. It's all going to change very soon. Yes. All right. Today or tonight's episode, depending on which hemisphere you're in, we're going to give a, a bit of a run through on physical health, which is inextricably linked to mental health. Absolutely. But, um, I'm not sure if the listeners realise my background has been in exercise and training uh, my whole life. I've been an elite strength and conditioning coach for everything from professional tennis players right through to our elite level footballers here in Australia, which is called the AFL. So the highest league that you can, I've trained a professional team and developed programs, but I've also owned and operated my own gyms and worked as a personal trainer with a range of clients, thousands of clients over oh, 32 years now. Um, everything from rehabilitation, exercise, um, performance, right through to just day-to-day mums and dads wanting a more fit, functional, pain-free life. So it, uh, it's definitely my wheelhouse here. Raham, what about you with exercise? Um, well, before I jump into me, um, you're our resident expert here, so um, I'm going to be turning to you a lot on this episode. Uh, for me, I've, I've just personally been invested in my personal health, my physical health, my mental and emotional health most of my life. Um, even when I couldn't go to, go to the gym, despite us not being in you know this pandemic situation, uh, I always found ways around it. So for me, it was determination. It was motivated motivated by my will to have a healthier and a happier, more fulfilling life. And that was always my goal. So whatever it took to fulfill that was exactly what I committed to. Um, so I used to be a gym rat. I, I know my way around the gym pretty well. I love outdoor sports and water sports and indoor sports as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no... Um, newbie when it comes to physical health, but I am an, an eager learner from you, Michael, today. So uh, tell us, what is it about physical health that gets so challenging, being that we are starting a new year, we have New Year's resolutions for many people that believe in that, and for people that believe in just creating an, a healthier lifestyle, for example, instead of just a new fad. What is it that we can do to stay healthy in this day and age, especially now, given the circumstances that we're in? Well, one, one of my pet peeves is the Instagram fitness type 
bad phases madness that that goes on where it's all about uh you know how we look rather than how we feel and function um it's about the desire for rapid results it's about the six week four week 10 week 12 week transformational programs um it's just madness as far as i'm concerned and it just sets us up to feel inadequate sets us up for failure and it sets us up to return to a homeostasis of no exercise if the way they work is on the psychology of marketing go well you know i can commit to six weeks and in six weeks i'm going to see great changes because look at the before and afters which is another peeve of mine I, i don't think they should have them because what is the after for life you know you've got before before your life and after your life well no imagine if instead of a six-week program imagine if that program ran for the rest of your life yeah so you know I've, I've over the years i've trained so many uh, men and women who wanted to get fit for a specific occasion whether it be a wedding a birthday a school reunion where it was just to achieve a certain number a certain weight a certain time in running where it was just specifically to reach that thing and then there was no no follow-up no no plan after that it was just i want to get to that and then i'd say and then what oh well i want to maintain it so the stuff that you add into your lifestyle or that you exclude from your lifestyle what will happen to that once you reach that six weeks will it continue because any temporary change in your eating or exercise program will just result in a temporary change to your appearance and your fitness. So what about we wind it back a bit, dial it back a bit and go, let's design a program that you could follow for the rest of your life at a minimum that then you could build onto and add onto when things go. But we set a minimum level, a minimum standard that we're going to hold ourselves accountable to. So what can you give me? What are you prepared to commit? Not for the next six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. What can you give me? The, the thing that we're all, all have in common that we're all united by is our time. Yeah. So we all have the same amount of time. You know, and when people say to me, oh, but I'm time poor. Really? <laughs> You've got the same amount of time as me. Oh, but I've got this and I've got kids and I've got work and I've got this and I've gone great. So how can we, um, how can we involve exercise in those things? So, you know, when your kids, if you're doing school runs for kids sport, things like that, and you've got an hour on the sideline watching uh, kids sport practice, are you sitting there on your phone? Could you be standing? Could you be walking backwards and forwards? Could you be walking laps of the oval while you watch soccer practice or football practice? Or, you know, could you be walking around the tennis courts while your child's having tennis lessons or while they're doing their gymnastics or ballet or whatever it is? Could you just be a little bit more active? One of the things that we need to realise is domestic duties, burns, roughly the same number of calories per hour as tennis. So there's, 
what we call programmed exercise, and then there's what we call incidental exercise. Incidental exercise will have more of an impact on your weight and your mobility, if you're aware of it, than the programmed one. So an hour at the gym, I'll give you an example. I had one gentleman came to me, he was going to Fiji for his honeymoon, wanted to lose weight because he wanted to get his shirt off. He was, he was a larger man and he, and he wasn't happy with his appearance. So I said, yep, we can do this. But he was also a carpenter. So he worked fairly hard for his job, but he didn't want his wife to know he was coming to the gym because he wanted to surprise her with his new U-view body for the honeymoon. So what would happen is he would knock off work at three o'clock, come to the gym, he'd be there by 3.30 and by 4.30 he'd be gone. But I would push him that hard that, by the time he got home, he'd just want to collapse on the couch. But his weight started to go up and we're pushing him harder. And I didn't realise he wasn't going... Uh, sorry, he was coming in at 12.30 on his lunch break. Then he would go home because he was that shattered he couldn't work. So he was losing the next four hours of work, which is fairly hard work because he had gone that hard in the gym and was sitting around. Now there's a whole lot of studies around that have shown what they do is they put people in a room and it's called a calorimeter room. And I don't want to get too technical here, but it measures expired gas and body heat, which tells exactly what you're burning, whether you're burning body fat, carbohydrates, and the temperature that goes up in the room tells how fast it's burning. So they can tell exactly how many calories an hour and where it comes from. What they also do with these people, they're big rooms is they give them a drink and it's a blended drink, like a protein drink, but it has varying calories in it. And you can't tell by the taste, it has the same amount of fiber, which doesn't contribute calories. So you feel exactly as full, yeah. but yeah. you've gotten half the calories. They've found that when they feed people less calories, their metabolism slows down and their movement drops off. Mm. So your body tries to maintain that homeostasis where it's going right, you're going to feed me more, uh, feed me less and try and make me move more. Well, I'm going to slow down things like hair growth, digestion, skin growth. I'm going to slow, it puts your body on a budget because it thinks if we keep spending our calories at this rate, we will starve to death. So it works against you. It's almost like Whereas, going to survival mode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. You find... Um, People don't realize the single biggest user of blood sugar or carbohydrates in your body is your brain. It uses more than all your organs and all your muscles combined. So the difference between sitting in a chair and sitting in a chair reading is about 6% just because your brain's working a little bit more. That's why you see people who've been extremely stressed. They can lose a lot of weight without, you know, eating, um, dropping their calorie intake or even increasing it. Um, that's why when we're stressed, we tend to seek out comfort foods a lot of the times because it does change our hormones because we get a bit of a in, endorphin or um, dopamine hit from the sweet things, but we seek it out because our calories drop um, or our calorie usage increases. So don't blame yourself. Don't. That's why I say to people, you're not, terrible you're not genetically programmed to be overweight you're not uh, genetically challenged um, metabolic disorders are, are so few and far between 
but what we need to do is have a good baseline of, of what we're doing. So my starting point for somebody is, right, how much time can you give me? You know, I need three days a week or, you know, three sessions a week. It can be Monday, Wednesday, Friday to start with. What can you commit to? And if we do an audit on our time, we waste a lot of time sitting where we can go, you know what, I can still do that while I'm walking. So plan my day, sit there at night, can I get out? How much can we integrate with our normal lifestyle? A lot of people, they, well, I've got kids now, I can't do it. Going, well, you could integrate your kids into your exercise program because I think, I'm barely sure that they will love it as well, getting down to the park and kicking a soccer ball around or shooting some hoops or, you know, so it can be on the way home from the school pickup. If weather's okay, they'd say here in Australia, we're fairly blessed, but you could find an indoor indoor one, even if it's getting into the pool, but yeah, you've exactly. got to do it. And then it's like, you know what? All of a sudden, little Johnny's happy because he's getting 45 minutes splashing around in the pool with me. And while it's not, me swinging swimming laps it's still an increase on what i was doing and you're a happy kid yeah and the connection and all the rest of it yeah. is great so and but you're setting the guidelines and the expectations for your child a healthy active lifestyle yeah so at the moment i'm not sure what it is in the uk here in australia we currently our superannuation is nine percent of our income is put away that's 9% of your earnings that you're putting away for a future that you mightn't even have if you don't fix your lifestyle, yeah. one that you may not even want because exercise may not extend your life because genetically you, you can, you know, a bad lifestyle will really only bury it, you know, a tiny bit, one or two years, maybe shorten it up with smoking and all the rest of it. But there's a thing called compression of morbidity. Mm, so if you were going to live to 75 with a healthy lifestyle and you have a poor lifestyle where you might overindulge in smokes and drinks and no exercise, you're still probably going to live to that 75, maybe 74, but you're going to be sick and infirmed mm. from the age of 65 and the last 10 years of your life, not going to be something you want. So, you know, how much of your future have you put onto your credit card? And now you've got to try and pay it off and it's just not there. So it's, it's not vain. It's not futile. It's not, it's not anything apart from being responsible um, with your life. And, to and set investment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, dollars for donuts, Reham. It really is something. And it doesn't have to be something when people say, oh, I hate running. That's fine. Don't run. How do you feel about riding a bike? No, I don't like that. How do you feel about swimming? Uh, you know, eh. how do you feel about the gym? Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm a little bit uncomfortable to go to the gym. To me, that's like saying, well, I'm a bit embarrassed about going to school. You know, I, I, I want to get better, but all these people at school are really smart. Um, if you need to find a gym that you're comfortable with and Believe me, a lot of the gyms where you've got these people that are in a lot of shape, they're not interested in looking at you. They're too busy looking at themselves. But, you know. That's why they've got mirrors everywhere. Yep. <laughs> and you mightn't like the mirrors. Um, I had one, one gym that I opened up and I had one mirror in the whole place. 
and everyone used to comment, why don't you have mirrors? And I'd say, well, I've got trainers that train you, so you don't need to, to see you. And it was a selling point and people loved it. And the only reason we had that one mirror is because when I used to teach people boxing so they could see what they were doing. And it was funny, the people who would comment the most on the mirrors were the people who used to like looking at themselves in the mirrors. And I say, yeah, but you've trained in the gym that long. You don't need to look in the mirror. You know, you can do that at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. So exercise, it helps your mind. It gives you a feeling of um, self-efficacy. You're holding yourself to a standard. You know, it's what, what you decide to do and you're taking some sort of control. But there are such great psychological and mental uh, benefits that flow on from it. But you're also staving off possible, you know, infirmed lifestyle in your future. Absolutely. I can personally attest to difficult times that I've had in my life. When I was exercising, I was able to recoup faster. I was able to be more resilient. I was able to have a healthier mindset. Um, and that had nothing to do with my physicality at the time. It was my mindset that was benefiting and my emotional health that was benefiting due to my conscious decision to invest in my physical health. Um, so there are so many rewards that we reap. Not only uh, are we reaping them personally, but as you were saying, if we have kids or if we have a partner or family, friends, whichever, you know, that are doing it with us, it's the, the connectivity, it's the bonding, it's the uh, association, the positive associations that we're creating in our minds, those neuropathways that connect to happy memories, happy moments in our lives that get that um, well-paved path in our brain, connecting the happiness to the exercise or the activity or the movement, which then motivates us towards the exercise more so than uh, away from the pain or away from the discomfort or away from the fear of, of illness and um, ill health. So notice also, how are you approaching mentally exercise and movement? Are you going towards it because it's something that's positive that you get reinvigorated by? Or is it something you're moving away from? And if you're moving away from it, pay attention. Because when we move away from things, it's mostly because it's coming from a fear or insecurity or concern or lack of information around what it is that we're moving away from. So it creates inconsistent outcomes, which then further paves those pathways in our minds that we're failures at exercise or movement, we're failure at dieting, we're failure at eating healthy, we're, fa we're a failure at being healthy and having a healthy lifestyle. So that moving towards concept, it's, it's what's really enticing and alluring uh, to us as to the outcomes that we're aiming to achieve. And the more you see positive outcomes from the baby steps that we're taking, or the larger steps that we're investing in, the more you're going to be moving towards the activity that you've gained those positive outcomes from. So let me give you an ex a quick example to make it solid. And, and Michael, if you have a better example, jump in. I was moving away from pain through exercise because I had hurt my back. And so I needed to exercise. And my motivation was because of the pain that I was having in my back, small little exercises really invigorated um, the neural connectors in my, in my back. And it really just gave me a new sense of firmness, 
to be able to stand up more firm, more straight and more firmly and, and more, I don't know, well. Posture. Posture, thank you, that's the word. Um, a stronger frame, a posture. Um, but then I realized that it was because I was moving away from pain. When I realized that the pain had dissipated enough for me to be able to create change in my motivation, I began to be conscious about that and I moved towards it. So instead of me being motivated by the by avoiding pain, I was motivated by strengthening my back muscles so that my posture was stronger, so that I could stand up more firmly so that I can play with my son, for example, so that I can carry the groceries in, you know, whatever it was at the time. So um, how are, are you, how would you recommend uh, our listeners to be more motivated when it comes to times of stress? And I'm just going to give you a couple of categories. How about times of stress? How could they be better motivated to invest in their physical health? Exercise is a great way to drag you out of your head. It's a great way. It actually lowers your blood pressure as long as you're not taking it to the extreme because exercise can actually be an addiction and it can be a way of avoidance and it can be a matter of replacing one addiction with another addiction. So it's got to be a healthy relationship. But you've got to, but so can binging on junk food, avoidance of the issue, squashing it down into that pit in your soul or your stomach where you just, you know, you become so busy that uh, the thought of sitting in the still and the quiet terrifies you. So you become so busy and try to be so productive that you, you don't want to face up to it. So we need to program it in and lock it in just like brushing our teeth becomes. Exercise just is. It doesn't have to be good or bad, but it's just something that we hold accountable to. It's part of our daily budgetary allowance for energy that we're going to expend. A lot of people say to me, how do you manage with with being a solo parent with your daughter? And I say, well, there will be times where life pops up and other catastrophes and crises happen. But exercise is nothing different to a bank account. Like I said, your superannuation. When I can, I deposit as much as I can into it because there will be times when I can't, but I can draw a bit out and, and live on that. And you know, there might be times where I get older and I've accumulated enough into my exercise bank account that great, I'm at 76 and now for the last five years just doing a minimal amount is still going to take me past the average life in a really healthy, functional, um, well-performing way. So it's just a matter of going, you know what, today I can't get to the gym, tomorrow I'm going to get to the gym and I'm going to get in a walk as well. So you can sort of make up for it, but don't beat yourself up. Like it's not the same with, you know, gee, I had a cake. So this weekend, like I had a cake on Saturday. So then Saturday night, I'm going to have pizza, fish and chips, all the rest of it. And uh, and then I'll start again on Monday. You know, like, you know, you ate something, I hope you enjoyed it. Don't beat yourself up for it. So, you know what? I had it. I felt like it. It's not not part of what I was trying to achieve or what I wanted to do. But in the whole scheme of things, out of three meals a day, seven days a week, I've had one bad one. That's 20 good ones. Whereas before, I was eating mindlessly. I couldn't even tell you when I had a good meal or a bad meal. It was just 
something that I did without consideration. Whereas now, as I said, we just put in those little bits, step by step, get off that Instagram, get off these. A lot of fitness professionals now, they've become like fundamental religion people where it's like, you had a chip. Oh my goodness. What were you thinking? The world's going to come to an end. Your body's a temple. You know, like my body's not a temple. I think it's the amusement parlor next door sometimes, but you know, on the whole, I'm happy for the, the amount of effort and the choices I make. I'm exactly where I should be in life. And the same for nearly everyone that I train. That's why I say to them, you know what? You've come in looking the way you do, performing the way you do, functioning the way you do, and weighing the amount that you weight if that's in the amount you weigh, if that's important to you, because of the choices you made. You're both the answer and the result of why you've come to me now seeking help. The only thing I'm going to do is help you make better choices. You make more informed choices. So forget about this. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that. I'm cutting this out. I'm cutting that out because, you know, it's not about what you cut out of your life to change things. It's what you put in because that will displace the other things. So are you eating three pieces of fruit a day? Are you eating three to five serves of vegetables a day? Are you drinking water? And all of a sudden people go, ah, because after that, at the end of the day, if you feel like a chockey at the end of the night, while you're sitting here watching telly, you're still going to be a long way in front of yourself than what you were. The other thing that happens is people go, right, well, I won't eat breakfast and I won't eat lunch because I want to go out to this incredible dessert place and have this dessert and I'll balance out that way. What you've just done there has gone great. 100% of my intake is from not exemplary, not part of the program. So have all of the other stuff. And a treat is a treat. Enjoy it. And, you know, it's it's no different to going, you know what, I'm just going to watch a bit of mindless reality TV. You know, it's, it's nothing but a bit of mindless fun. I don't have to be learning or educating or meditating or things. If, if it helps you get through the next week, if it's a way of where you go, you know what, I feel like I'm in control of it. But you can't be spending on the credit card of life That's the whole time. Yeah. So you're going to be physically bankrupt at some stage and illness, um, any sort of physical crisis or mental crisis, the more physically healthy you are, the better you'll get through it. So, you know, I'm a change in that. Yeah. Yeah. Change in life is always challenging. Change when you have to change yeah. is the worst. So, you know, it's, Make make it a choice rather than, you know, an imperative where, you know, when the doctor says to you, this doesn't stop, but the further down the track you get of neglecting your physical uh, well-being, the harder it is to get back. So, you know, like I said, you're getting further and further into debt and we can just start it off fundamental, just a little bit of dieting. Your weight isn't as much a result of your exercise as what it is of your intake. So I always ask my clients to start on their intake and a food log is vital. Don't write it down at the end of the day. There's some great apps. One that is available worldwide. If you've got a pen, 
write it down. It's called My Fitness Pal, P-A-L. It's got a calorie counter with a barcode scanner in it. So you can scan packets and it will bring it in automatically. A lot of times when I ask clients to keep me a food log, if their weight is their main focus of their programs, a lot of times when they'll come in, they'll say, oh, yeah, no need to write me a diet, Mike. I, guess, you know, I realize because once it's all written down and you actually see, and it's like, gee, I didn't realize, you know, and it can be as simple as, you know, just dropping, if you have two sugars in your coffee, dropping it down to one and just those little slight changes can make a huge difference. Because what we need to do if weight again, I'm not one that likes to focus on weight. I'd like to focus on function. I say, you know, let's see what we can do. Your body's incredible. How many squats you can do, how many push-ups you can do. I've got one 76-year-old lady who can do 25 proper full push-ups. And she's amazed by when she came in, she could do three. And I said, well, that's incredible. I think we can get you up to 15. And within a month, we had her up to 15. And I said, you're good at this. And she always laughs. And that's why I say, I'm going to take you to the pub on a Friday night and I'm going to win free drinks for the whole night because at 76 years of age, the way you look doing push-ups like that, you're a freak. And it's just amazing. And now she's keen on it. But now our next one is she wants to be able to squat. At 76 years of age, she wants to do an 80-kilo squat. And we're getting her there. She, she's already, already up to 55 kilos. And that's why I say... Forget about how you look. How you look will be a side effect of how you perform and how you eat. And Whereas if you. it becomes a focus, you're never going to be happy with it. And um, your weight fluctuates. For women, as much as 60% of your weight fluctuations can be from where you are in your cycle. Mm. Go off how your clothes fit. because. And the other thing is it's the stories you tell yourself. You know, it's... Oh, I was 62 kilos when I was in high school. Well, great. You know, I had a full head of hair at one stage <laughs> too. But, you know, why? I don't understand the um, focus on weight. Unless you're going to post yourself somewhere, yeah. what difference does your weight make? It's just an arbitrary number that we've assigned such immense value to that it can ruin your day, you know. People step on that scale so many times a day to, to see where it is and it becomes controlling. Yeah. Go off how your clothes fit, seriously. But, you know, and then we compare ourselves. Oh, I read in the paper that Angelina Jolie only weighs 47 kilos. Yeah, but, you know, if somebody asked you how much you weighed, do you think it would be accurate knowing that millions of people are going to look at it or would you say maybe at your best, you've ever weighed or you've ever looked or because we're going to be judged on that number. So throw that number out, throw the scales out. Let's focus on healthy eating, activity, exercise and function. You know, yeah. I want my back to stop hurting. I want to be able to keep up with the kids. I want to know that every time I go up a flight of stairs and I get a bit short of breath that I'm not thinking, you know, is this it? Is this the big one, you know, coming? I, I, you know, I want to live my best life and your body is a vehicle that's going to carry you around doing it. Absolutely. Um, what I'm hearing from you, uh, Michael, is when stressed, have a healthy relationship with change, with your weight, um, but not necessarily your weight, actually, as you were just saying. 
it's about your ability to be functional with your body, to be able to move and to have that fluidity um, and to eat healthy, to prioritize exercising, to program exercising and movement into our everyday life and hold ourselves accountable to what we put into our body and how we treat our body, to be consistent, to treat ourselves with moderation. So if we do, do, do dip into that cake or that ice cream or that pie, that we balance it out throughout the rest of the week. And we're also self-compassionate with our decisions, despite whether we trip up on our decisions or not. The point is we can be kind to ourselves because we deserve to be kind to ourselves. And that will directly impact our mindset, which will directly impact how we see ourselves and then how we feel about ourselves and then what we do with ourselves. So let's move on to when in lockdown. So most of the, the world is still in lockdown to some degree and working from home potentially as people are starting to, to restart their work schedules um, and potentially with kids at home as well being homeschooled. How can uh, our audience, uh, our listeners be more active with their children or without their children without going to the gym or having access to one? One of, one of the things that we do is we sit down and we focus at, at our computers, especially at the moment in lockdown with work from home. We actually need to set a timer and do 50-minute hours. So there's 10 minutes of every hour where you stop, you get up, you walk around. There are a few things you can do. A lot of back problems originate from having a less than optimal uh, work setup. So taking the time to set your monitor it at eye height, making sure that your uh, wrist is supported when you type. So laptops, really bad for what's called kyphosis. So that rounding of the neck, because we're, we're looking down. So we need to fix that, get a healthy workstation set up. Planks, really good. 70% of your stomach muscles or your abdominal girdles muscles is holding your lower spine in place. So a week back is actually weak abs. So we need to concentrate on our core. The biggest muscle group in our body, or 60% of our muscles are from the waist down. So, um, and not just because of the side of my back, size of my backside, but just because of the group of the muscles, <laughs> the glutes and thighs. So squats are a fantastic thing. So even just sitting in your chair, if you've got dodgy knees, yeah. you can just stand up out of that chair. Yeah. So just standing trick, squats instead of sitting squats. Yep. So just standing up out of the chair. Some of us may need to start with our hands on our thighs to get up. Eventually, we want to start with them up. And eventually, if we can start with them hands on heads and stand up. And again, that also works your lower back as well. So in that 10 minutes, up, down, out of the chair, walk around, some squats, some planks, we can progressively make each exercise harder. So with the planks, elbows and toes, then we can take one hand out, the other hand out. Then we can eventually one hand and one opposite hand and opposite foot. And we can see how many of those that we can get. Then there's what we call uh, supermans. So the reverse of the plank. So face down on the ground, arms out, arms and feet up. So your arch your back up, down. Then eventually we can add to that. So arms up, back, out, 
down. So that's all your lower back and your girdle, stomach girdle, quads. Then we can start with push-ups. Now, I'm not a big fan of girl push-ups. So from the knees. Not on the knees. Got it. Not on the knees. I don't, you know me, I'm all about equality rehab. I know. Girls push-ups <laughs> as, as well as men. And I would like to point out, I think girls are physically stronger in the lower extremities of the bodies than men, pound for pound weight. I've seen some girls, you know, my partner holds the world record, a couple of world records, but she's for 30 kilos lighter than me and she is physically stronger, not adjusted for weight, yeah. but is physically stronger than me. And, you know, my ego takes a bit of a battering when we train together and somebody walks into the weight room and says, gee, you're doing all right with that amount of weight on the bar. It's, it's not me, it's her. I've got to take some off. So um, I can, I can attest to that. I remember I used to bench more than the men that were in the gym at the time um, because my lower body was so much stronger. So the, what we call the negative part of the uh, exercise. So the eccentric, so the lowering part of the push-up, that's the thing that actually builds the strength because you're resisting against gravity. So it's the same as if you think when you put a heavy weight in your hand, not having it collapse on you is the strength lowering it down. It's probably three times, nearly three times stronger than the weight you can contract back. So you can control it coming down, but won't be able to move it. So with your push-ups, if you're a female, start in the normal push-up position, slowly lower yourself down. If you can't get up, get back up in that push-up position, lower yourself down. But a push-up from the knees, it's not a proper push-up, but yeah. So just 10 minutes every hour to keep yourself active like that. And if you can get outside, we want to increase, the way we increase intensity in exercise, which is what increases our fitness and performance is time versus work. So if we've gone, right, I can get out for a 15 minute walk. You want to see how far you can get in that 15 minutes. Then you want to try and increase the distance because our time is our limiting factor that we all have. So then it might be, well, I'm going to try and jog between this lamppost, light post, I'm not sure what you call it, oh, and this one. Yeah. And it takes about six weeks for your aerobic fitness to actually increase. But what happens quicker than that is your perception of exertion changes. So what feels really difficult in the start, you become habituated to it. So you know what? I'm not going to die if I get to that lamppost. I know that now. So you're a bit more comfortable with it. But again, your body's got this thing going, quick, shut everything else down. <laughs> We're under attack. And eventually it's going, oh, we know what's going to happen now. So it relaxes a bit. So it's so, harder in the beginning, technically, just to get is. past that hump to, to for the body to be comfortable with the exertion yeah. is what you're saying. That's it. Yeah. it. It feels harder than what it actually is, but it's your body's protective mechanisms going quick. It shoots out all of these cortisols and everything trying to, to calm down because it actually, it's the same as a fight or flight, that exercise stress. There's also one other um, main principle. It's called the said principle. So specific adaptations to impose demands. Okay. So it basically means if you want to be a good swimmer, you have to swim. If you want to be strong, you've got to lift weights. If you want to be a good runner, you have to run. Well, there's some transference and cross benefits between 
different exercise um, disciplines, depending on what you want to do, you, you need to do it. Sounds exciting. So you've really given us a wealth of knowledge and practical techniques that any man, woman, or child uh, age appropriately. I've got one do. more. Please add. Oh, we love over overextending our, our benefits here. Yeah, Go on. The other one that happens is situational. Okay. That's what I'd say. So if you find yourself, don't look at just what you've done. Look at where, why, and when you've done it. So if you go to work and there's nothing there but, you know, the fish and chip shop down the road for lunch. Well, it's situational that's causing you to eat that if you don't prepare for it. So you can look where the damage is done. So when you get home at night, if the first thing that you do is straight to the fridge or the cupboard to because you're starving hungry, if you're getting home at six or seven o'clock at night, you need to go, if I can stop at, say, three o'clock in the afternoon for a fairly substantial um, snack or mid-afternoon meal, so that dinner then becomes a lot easier con to control. So I can go, great. So now I'm not getting home starving because you're trying to make up for that low blood sugar where you're just a, a ravenous eating machine where it's just gimme, gimme, gimme. Never satiate, so, yeah. Yeah, and we need to look at what we're eating too because a lot of people think that sushi is a healthy alternative. It's healthy sugar rice. rice. Yep. Yeah. And but one sort of sushi roll has the same number of calories as one of those big deep fried dim sims. And yep. And that because, was the face of shock. Yes. Yep, <laughs> because your blood sugar rises so quickly, your body has to release a lot of insulin quickly. So your blood sugar drops really quickly. And so you get hungry again. So, you know, I, I can inhale. Coma. Yeah. I can inhale those sushi rolls like you wouldn't believe. And then, at the end of the day, if I'm writing a, a food diary and I haven't kept track of it, I can completely forget about that. And so fiber is really good. That's where fruit and vegetables come in. That's why they leave you feeling full. So they make it easy, but situational. So if you go, you know what? I always get a little bit of a walk in. I'll feel better after that. Yeah. So if you actually log and go, you know what? I'm going to leave to go to work because the walk to the train station, if I can find a car park a bit further away, as long as it's safe, I can get an extra 10 minutes in there yeah. at lunch break. If I go downstairs to get my lunch and then come straight back up to my desk, what about you get your lunch and you walk around the block while you eat your lunch and then come back to your desk? At home, all of these things where you go, you know what? I feel stressed when I homeschool, which is common and it's that battle. What about instead of actually eating, I cooked. So you've still got that involvement with food and going, you know what, I'm going to do meal prep so that I'm not, not just eating. Meal prep is a great way of doing it so that cook a healthy meal at night when you've got the time. There's your lunch for the next day if you can do it. And just take pride in those little achievements. And it's like budgeting. I can yeah. save a dollar here, a dollar there, and all of a sudden at the end of the week, you're rich. And you've just made us very rich with our viewpoint on a healthier lifestyle for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for our children um, that we can share and hopefully extend the learning and impact 
far beyond just us as listeners and participants in this podcast. So thank you, Michael, for being our resident expert on physical health and, and sharing with us some of the amazing tips and trade, uh, trade secrets that you've experienced and learned along the way. Remember, these are conversation starters with blokes, their children, and women that support them. It's about many men having many conversations. Follow, like, and share definitely this podcast to all those that you know that could benefit from it. And don't hesitate to comment below. How are you investing in your own physical health, your mental health, and your emotional health? How are you planning a healthier lifestyle? And how are you being creative with your movement and activity today? with your loved ones, with your children, with your friends, keeping socially isolated, of course. See you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.